home. It's Christmas time. There's lights on the palm trees. It's 70 degrees, you know, in December. And he was like, from the first moment, he was like, this is it. This is paradise. Um, And so because he has seen so much of the United States, for him to say, you know, St. Pete's the place, I was like, okay, like, I'll, I'll do it. And my parents lived here. My sister lives, my entire mom's side of the family lives here. So I was like, lots of family. St. Pete's not so bad. Mm. Now that we've been back a while, now that we've been back several years, um, I'm really happy. I'm really happy that he had the idea to come back. And I'm really happy that I listened to him he's very smart <laughs> so well don't say that you actually re- you actually re- you actually regret moving back here and you really can't wait to get the hell out of florida we don't want anybody getting the wrong idea about florida oh, true do not move to st no. petersburg florida sucks go to texas <laughs> oh yeah totally <laughs> everything goes in texas so I just heard go a, there i heard texas is so much better than florida yeah, beautiful you know they got you can, they got they got the new law, the open carry without a oh, permit. Oh my gosh, I've been here. I have just read about that. That's so funny. Yeah. They were like, there's other states too. I'm like, what other states? Yeah. <laughs> Not that it matters because I'll never see the gun, I guess. Well, Texas has the least gun violence, right? Isn't that, isn't that true? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think it is. I heard it somewhere. I don't know. That's crazy. Do you guys, I think you guys, you think you guys will stay in Florida for a while? Are you guys going to get out of here eventually or? Well, so we're waiting for things to open up. We Mm -hmm. were overseas when. Florida's open. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) So funny enough, we were overseas when the pandemic hit and they're like, they are dealing with their immediate neighbors Mm. because that like they have nukes, (laughs) right? Like that's who's going to affect them. You know, and then there's always the question of, is America going to get involved or not, right? Like, if a country doesn't think that America is going to back them up, they have to start thinking about their other options. So the further, the more, like, nationalists we become, the more everybody else, like, there's going to, uh, there's a power vacuum that happens, other people fill in. You, mm-hmm. you know, there can't be a vacuum. Somebody's going to fill in that spot. And the scariest part about it is, too, that those countries are so, like you said, so much more aggressive. And they'll take extreme measures, like way harsher than I feel like the United States would even take. Well, because there's a history there. I mean, right. think about how old the countries, you know, I mean, do we just, we were talking earlier about how young America is. Like, there's this very long history in these regions, um, you know, so lots of baggage lots of you know disputes that were you know are still kind of festering you know um you can see it when you read about the border disputes in the area lots of cultural issues um that i think americans like we can't even relate to Mm -hmm. are you i was talking to uh to andy last time about how in some of the embassies in Cuba and Russia, the American embassies, they there were a lot of people in different agencies like the CIA and the FBI that were experiencing like crazy headaches. Yeah, I read about and that. And migraines yeah. and, and experiencing disorders. Because yeah. you know about this. Maybe you can yeah. explain it better than I can. But basically they were like targeting radiation towards these embassies yep. that were giving people... 
Yeah. Head injuries, basically. Yeah. So there are certain countries that like to play dirty. Um, so I still, I, I mean, whatever you think about the CIA, like America has standards, right? We have lawyers, we have laws, <laughs> we have standards. Um, you know, we have a democratic government. Um, but there are other countries that do not like they, what I would consider play dirty. Like they will kill your dog, you know, just, just to mess with you, just to let them, let's just, just to let you know that they know who you are, right? You know, they'll do things to make you sick, to make you leave, to make it so uncomfortable for you to be there that you'll just go. Because, I mean, they just don't want you there, right? They'll do things to mess with you. Um, they'll, they'll surveil you, like, obviously, so you know that you're constantly being watched, mm, you know? Like, intimidating you. Right. So, I mean, there's lots of different tactics that intelligence agencies use. Um, you know, the, the ones we think about are the ones where everything's a secret and nobody knows and everything's doing, everybody's doing things in the shadows. Um, but then there's kind of the dirty side where they do things overtly just to harass you, um, harass you, intimidate you, um, there are there are intelligence agencies that use um you know blackmail and manipulation um which in in the CIA's view is not like that's not a functional way like that is not sustainable right like you're if you're blackmailing somebody for intelligence it's not really the best way to go like that's not the best way to get intelligence it's not sustainable that something's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, you can't keep that up. Maybe you could do it once, you know, but if you're trying to build a long-term intelligence relationship with an asset, that's not the way to go. But there are plenty of countries who do it, you know. But doesn't the United States break sort of international laws too? I mean, don't, they <laughs> don't we break a lot of laws that we just say it's okay because we're the United States? Well, so does everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so all the countries do it. Um, so be, so gathering intelligence in like any country is illegal in every country. Um, so to that extent, yes, um, you're definitely, you know, by recruiting some, you know, somebody to, to spy on their country, like you're breaking the law, but that's, that's the game, right? So like, that's like the gentleman's game, right? Mm -hmm. Like everybody knows it's happening. Everybody knows they're doing it. Everybody knows that, you know, like in any given country, like the Brits have spies there, the Americans have spies there, the French have spies there, the, you know, the Thais have spies there. Like if there's an embassy or if there's a foreign presence or whatever, like there's spies there. Everybody mm. knows it. And but that's the gentleman's game, right? Like I, I like I see you, you know, you see us. Okay. You know. You, yeah. Like if you're good, you know, be good enough to keep yourself secret, you know, and that's, that's for me, like, that's the real game mm. of, you know, that's the proper intelligence game, I think. Do you think because, because of your guys opposite personality traits, <laughs> do you think mm -hmm. that made you guys work better together? Yeah. 
because a lot of people, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of different opinions out there of people who think that the same personality types are better together versus opposite personality types. I'm on the, on, I personally believe that opposite personalities fit together better because like you and Andy, my wife and I are completely opposite. Yeah. So, um, I think professionally being opposites on the same team, on the same operation was awesome. Mm. Like, because we totally filled in each other's, you know, strengths and weaknesses. Um, personally, that makes it a lot harder. I think I look at some couples that are almost identical in personality and they just seem to gel and like, everything's always smooth. <laughs> <laughs> like, why can't I have that? Um, so yeah, professionally, I absolutely think, you know. I was like, boo, he kind of extra. Like, he's talking about I changed his life. She's like, nah, bro. My man was getting $1,500. He just spoke for an hour virtually and got ten grand. So she was like, yo, own that. I was like, come on then, girl. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so Amazing. like, for real, and everybody not getting that. I got some people getting $1,500, $2,500, four grand. It's all over the place, right? Yeah, right. But the fact that you can do that virtually or in person, ain't changed lives, ain't nothing like it. So uh, I worked 40 hours a week to make $3,000 a month. Oh, yeah, the Cheesecake Factory. And so you see why when you first asked how about the price, I even feel weird sharing it. Because all my partners, Marcus, like Neo, Josh, like all the homies is like, bro, your course is like, it need to be five grand for everything that you're doing. And they got access to you. And they coming on Yo, the don't calls. Don't let me pressure you because he be pressuring me, bro. Every time <laughs> yeah. I talk to him, I'm not charging enough. Like, I'm like, yo, bro. Every me. time. Every time. <laughs> and I be hearing it. And But, but when people sure. in my community was like, yeah, I would have paid five grand for this. Mm-hmm. I would have paid more. That's why when you first asked how much, and I was like, it's two grand. And you was like, can we get a discount? That's why I was a slightly hesitant because it was just like, because I'm on camera too. Right. A pressure. You know what? <laughs> Yo, listen, if you do but, but I love it though. I don't, I'm not going to renege. For sure. No, no, no. But let's, let's just check this out. If it, because if things change, we don't know how, this joint is going to be on for 10 years, right? Right. So if it changes, just promise me it will be a discount under what you normally charge. Yes, on for next sure. Level. Speakers Academy. You paying me after 30 days, right? You right. pay me that 30. I'm the government. I'm going to pay, pay, yeah. pay them that 32. I ain't coming on my pocket. The government is going to fund everything. Why would I prepay anybody, right? If the government says I'm on net 30, I'm putting Joe Schmo over here on net 32. So that's something you need to go negotiate with the contractor up front. They know. Because some people be wanting a deposit to do yeah, some work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll say, oh, you know... Especially if it's I'm renting like porta potties, hand washing stations, they'll say, "Oh, I need a ten percent deposit." Well, 2011, I ain't had it right, so I had to communicate, "Hey, this is gonna be a federal government contract. Yeah. Work with me here. You gonna get your money? It's coming from." And that's okay. That's gotcha. the key, man. If you can't speak to people, I mean, they won't shake and move. They'll just go their own gotcha. SOPs. Now, when I have the actual contract in hand. That's like liquid currency. Yeah. Yeah, look, it's real. Yeah, I'm going to leverage it. This is real. Look what I got going on. And then they, you know, jump in bed with me and work. Gotcha. 
Give me the biggest issue, the headache, man, because it can't be as sweet as it sounds. It sounds sweet. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, dang, maybe I can get in. This is the biggest headache, man. In the beginning, I don't care what type of solicitation I've ever gone for. The headaches are making sure the subcontractors get me back their quote in a timely manner. Remember, I'm on a time schedule. I have to have this thing submitted by May 30th. Maybe I just found the contract May the 21st. So I'm calling, calling, calling these subcontractors trying to get quotes, and they lollygagging, and then I missed my deadline. Mm-hmm. That's the hugest headache. It's not a headache once they already got the contract and they already working because they want to keep working. Half of these companies don't have a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So now when you're giving them a quote-unquote guaranteed, steady four- or five-year contract, man, that them doing the work is not a big deal. It's in the beginning stages, me getting that timing down or getting that uh, quote to me because right. I got to submit my paperwork on time. That's the gotcha. big, that's a huge headache. Gotcha. It's huge, yeah. And so how, you have employees working for you? Now, now. And what do they do? Search one search. person sends the invoice. I know that. <laughs> yeah, one person sent all that's the invoices. That's why the first person you hire, listen, I don't want to send these right. invoices very much. Yeah, I'm done with all that. So the invoicing, they're looking for the solicitations. I get sole source a lot now, though. So the government actually calls my company and says, hey, can you provide this product or this service? Oh, really? Yeah. Also, once you build that relationship with the government, yeah. you want I mean, I got over 40 contracts. been doing this since 2008. Like, they, my, my company's name is Solidified. So they just call my company and say, hey, can you provide us this product or this service? So I got somebody to run that, mm-hmm. the emails. Uh, but other than that, I mean, it's only I only got like four people on my team. That's all I need. Are you versed in the in like the municipality and the state as well, or you just uh, teach you teach straight yeah, federal? Straight federal. I know the crazy thing is I know nothing about the state and local. Nothing. People come to me all the time. Well, I got this state contract. I'm like, I ain't, I'm not your guy. I know nothing about it. it I don't even want to get into rules it. Apply though. But they they have like. Different certifications. You got to get this. You got to get a, a DB. I don't even know the stuff. It's, it's just different. Mm-hmm. It's just different. I don't even want to tap into it. Because people come up to the federal level and they say, I didn't think it was going to be this easy. Mm-hmm. And so I might go down to the state level and say the same thing. I'm like, oh, I didn't know it was going to be this easy. I just right. haven't done it. I mean, I'm in a sweet spot, right? right when you right. good, you good. Dang. What's that? 2008... So that's what, uh, 13 years. Yeah, but game. remember, I didn't get the first one to. For three never, years. Yeah, yeah so, so about, about 10 years yeah, in the game. Yeah, about 10 years. So I, I got to ask this question too, man. How did you change from the gas station? Let me get that chapstick. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> to like this extremely successful businessman. What was that transition? Like, Man. did it feel like a transition or was it just gradually? That's a good question because it really didn't feel like a transition until I started to talk to my old homeboys. Right now, I could yeah. tell, yo, I'm, I'm thinking different now. Yeah. Oh, I don't even want to do that no more. Okay, 
why y'all keep texting me this stupid stuff? Like, that's when I started to know, okay, I'm just different now. Yeah. But it didn't feel like I was transitioning. I was just being me, just trying to learn and trying to speak to the level that I could get business with these people over here, not knowing my, my whole mindset is changing, my speech, my tone, how I walk, even how I'm trying to think in the future, all that's changing. And they back there, you know, doing what they do. Right. This was maybe, maybe, um, had to be maybe six years ago, seven years. I don't know. I, I don't remember, but it was, it was, it was a good, it was a long time ago. But I, I leave, uh, I'm from New Jersey. Okay. I'm from Willingboro, New Jersey. And I leave and I'm going out. You just kind of like, I'm getting into personal development. Mm. I'm building my business. I think at this point, I had left my job because I started working. I started my business in 2010 while I was working at the Cheesecake Factory. Okay, okay. And then 2012, I left. So I remember when, like, when we got out of high school, what we would do is on Friday nights, like, everybody come over, bring a bottle, and we just drink and we talk. We'll mm. rap. Mm. Freestyle, just Freestyle, get it going, man, you feel yeah, me? Yeah. <laughs> Until the night. Like, when everybody gets off work, we just, you know, we're going to find a destination. We're going to go there. So long story short, I came back to Jersey. Like, I don't know what I was doing there. I maybe visit my, my, my aunt or something like that. And my boy was like, yo, come through. I'm like, all right, it's my, my, my yeah. man's. So I go to his house, and it was almost like deja vu, bro. Mm. It was the same exact thing that Nothing we were changed. doing years ago. <laughs> that was the moment where I'm like, yo, not better, but I'm different. Japanese people just put on a mask. They were like, for the greater good, no problem. Mm. Um, I think Andy struggles more with that. But for me, because it's something from my childhood, I mean, it's just very natural. It makes sense. Um, well, it's interesting because there's such an ancient culture. Like yes. Andy was telling me that he went to, he was doing a tour there. I mm -hmm. believe it was with you. Yeah. And someone showed you guys like a mill or some, some sort of building. Yeah. That was twice as old as America. Yeah. It okay, was so like that a, put everything in perspective. For it was him. like a house, a, like a wooden house and a mill still standing in like pristine condition because they take care of it. Um, yeah. Like twice as old as America. And we were like, wow the culture here i mean we've we've been to a lot of countries in asia and you know china is one of those places where you look at china's history and you know like like their history is there's such longevity there and the china that we know today is not original china like they have like looking at their progression mm. over history i just think is so fascinating america's harder because we're so young so we're right now witnessing you know our own progression but it's not like looking at three thousand years worth of history right you know i mean native americans were here but we don't have that written history so. it makes you think is that where we we could be going if we last that long you know, it's really interesting. I, I, so I'm a giant dork and I am a huge fan of Star Trek. I'm like, Star Trek Next Gen is yeah. one of my favorites. And so the whole idea that one day we could be like this, you know, utopia on Earth at least, where, you know, 
like money isn't like I think there's no currency I'm pretty sure in Star Trek everybody has roles they fill everybody's needs are mad there's this definite part of me that's like that could happen one day in theory but communism is also a good theory (laughs) and like practically it will probably never ever work um so it's it's one of those things where you know I have faith in humanity but I'm also realistic you know we could do a lot of things lots of things are possible Mm -hmm. are we ever going to get there I don't know it would be I mean it just seems like the world would be such a better place if but if we didn't have this inherently tribal DNA yeah. Where we're just not like we said, like I said earlier, like territorial apes with thermonuclear <laughs> weapons. Yeah, and you yeah. know, unfortunately, that's just what we are as human beings. And mm-hmm. I, I can't see in the near future any way to get past that threshold. Yeah, but I figured out if what if we could somehow figure out how to get past that. I think, you know like I said, your, your vision of some utopian world of people that all get along and there's yeah. no borders or boundaries. and Right. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think near future, I don't see it. Um, is it, is it possible? Yes. Um, there is a ton of work that would need to be done. I think, um, I was just reading a book that was talking about, um, like the scarcity mindset and the scarcity mindset is what drives people to hoard and to compete and to be like, you know, there's might be five apples and five of us, but I'm going to take three just in case. And they're like that, that mindset gets us all in trouble. Like if you look at, if you really looked at resources and how they could be divvied out, like if we actually entertained all the options that were possible, there really would be enough um, for everybody. Like there would at least be enough for basics for everybody, but that doesn't seem to be good enough for enough people, like people who have control, people who have leverage. So that just makes you know, creates inequality, it keeps inequality going. Um, so yeah, I just, I think it's a long road. I think it's definitely possible. I think people are working towards it. What do you think the best way for people to get out of that scarcity mindset is? So I think it's just believing that there is enough. Believing, yeah. like not being scared that at the end of this, like when I finish my sandwich, there will be no more sandwich. Like, just don't be afraid, right? Like, just know that I'm going to eat this meal. And by the time the next meal needs to come around, it'll be there. There's enough, right? Like, maybe it's not going to be a, you know, maybe it's not going to be a steak and a giant baked potato, but it will be enough. Like, you will eat, you will be fed. Um, So just knowing, you know, like, investing money right like don't hoard your money like use it because there will be more on the other end you know like if you keep working and you keep moving forward then 
you're not going to be without. So that's one of the biggest, biggest, um, philosophical questions in life, right? Mm -hmm. Money versus time. Yeah. People chasing, you know, and neglecting their families and their children to chase money and to work. And you realize by the time most people who attain that extreme level of success or money or wealth or whatever it is, they realize once they get to the top of the mountain, it's not what they thought it was. Yeah, exactly. Andy says, Andy, uh, refers to it as, uh, looking under skirts. He's like, he's like the more, the more people I meet, the more networking I do. He's like the more skirts I get to look under. And the more I realize that's not what I thought it was going to look like under right, there. Right. Yeah. And so it's really, I think about like really understanding what is your goal? Like, what is your goal? What is the purpose you're driving towards? <laughs> because I think most of us, I mean, I admit this, I, you have a third, a third, a third. A third goes to the guy on that side of the canal. You need a third for traffic to come through the middle. And you need a third for that guy on that side of the canal. So you have to make sure your boat's not too wide off the dock to stick out to where you go past the third of that space. Or else you can't keep your boat there. So anyway, he's got to shorten his dock for me. <laughs> I'll pay for that. All right, so you went down to Fort Lauderdale. I went to Palm Beach, went to Fort Lauderdale, went to Miami, went everywhere. Everywhere. You know, while we were there, I think Trump was having a party in Jupiter. We didn't even know it. We drove past uh, where Trump lives in um, Mar-a-Lago. And, man, what a dead-ass place that is. That place is, I mean, you got your fancy homes, you got your ocean, your beach, but it's like dead. I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't want to live like that. I don't even want to keep a boat in a place like that. You know, there's nothing going on, and everybody's, you know, very hidey tidy. And um, we got over on a free lunch. We got over on a free lunch. We had a great lunch. Free brunch. We ate the. We wanted to go eat in the Breakers. Was the Breakers is where? Palm Beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Breakers. Was Breakers in Fort Lauderdale? No, it's it's Palm Beach. The Breakers. Breakers Palm Palm Beach. So we went to the Breakers. Sure. Yeah, we were trying to go eat lunch. What did we go anyway? So the restaurant was under construction, and we had. But they own a restaurant in town, which called. Forgot. I think it's named after the guy that started the town. Like. Some Henry's, Henry's Flagler, from Flagler, the guy that started, the big rich guy that started the whole damn thing down there. Anyway, so they have a restaurant there in town, and we got lucky, because this place was expensive. You know, it's West Palm Beach and all that, so the waitress knocks over a champagne glass that Carla was drinking. And the glass kind of blew on some of the food. Some of it, not most of it. Anyway, they were really nice. The waiter comes and uh, the mate, the manager comes over and he says, no, absolutely, you know, takes all the food away. You know, we, we, we half ate the food already. <laughs> and he brings all new food, wouldn't charge us. I mean, those people must be tough in that town because these people that work there, are, oh, oh my God, oh my God, a glass broke. You know, and uh, so anyway, we toured everywhere. everywhere. So now here we are. What night is tonight? I can't keep track of it. I honestly Tuesday? think we went Wednesday. Wednesday. We went to over 
20 marinas. No, 25. And they're all too expensive. And I they all, charge and more I for a fucking all. piece of water. A little slip of water. It's crazy for square foot. It's only water. It's not even land you're getting. That's how much they're charging. Oh, my God. They want like $2. Some of these high-class places want $2 a foot At least per day. Seven grand if a your month. boat's 100 feet, that's 200 bucks a day. That's 30 days in a month. That's $6,000 a month. For a fucking slip of water? And in Miami. You talk about, about oh, man, they're making money. Especially in Miami. Oh, my and God. And they don't have that. I barely have any amenities. Some of them don't have shit to give you. Uh, so, anyway, we're working on it. All right. I hope anybody's out there. They got any problems. They got any questions. Call in. All right. And uh, see if we can do. But right now, let me tell you. Your real estate is a danger zone. I mean, I don't know what's going on. I'm not smart enough to know how these banks are handling. I know a lot of people ain't paying. See, at first, the government was handing out money. They're giving out the extra unemployment. Everybody was paying their rent. See, multifamily was staying strong. But now, I hear, and I heard from a guy yesterday that owns like 2,000 apartments in Tampa. He wanted to come... Uh, have lunch with me and maybe look at John's pass or whatever. So um, he said, holy crap. He couldn't believe it. He was down. He was missing 200000 in rents uh, that he hasn't collected last month. He hasn't figured out what this month is already. So, and we're starting to feel a pinch too. Um, it used to be retail was having its problems. It still are. Forget about hotels. I, I just want to... Oh, my God. I don't want to talk about hotels right now. But now the multifamily's getting hit. Okay? Because people, it's, I'm telling you, they're not dealing with the situation like they should. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, either if you're going to keep money flowing, you keep the goddamn shit flowing. Don't give it a little and stop. All right? Until it's over, keep it flowing. Uh, because right now, I'm telling you, things are getting ugly. You know, I had another commercial tenant telling me they're leaving. They're going bye-bye. I'm going to be stuck with another empty commercial unit, retail. Uh, I'm telling you, my life is depressing as hell right now. So anyway, maybe I can help somebody. Anybody out there, you want to buy something, you're looking to buy. But I will tell you, they're still lending. The government's backing up all the banks. They're backing up uh, Fannie's, Freddie's. I got people in contract to buy stuff right now. We had a big inspection in one of our hotels. I hope that goes through. So there's money flowing out there still. So if you want to do real estate, what you got? We also have Super Chats. Super Chat, Super Chat. Parasailing the past. Thanks for the four ninety nine, And thank you for coming to, I think, most of the podcasts. Is that the parasailing goddamn guy I can't find? Every time I go there, he's off sailing somewhere. Yeah. yeah. You know, I personally went over there in the goddamn heat, sweating, you know, it was hot as hell, looking for the goddamn parasail guy to see if he wants to come to my side over there and, and get more business and more exposure. And I don't know, there's like two or three different parasailing guys there, and I don't even know if I got to the right guy. So, parasailing guy, where the hell are you? Okay, contact us and start parasailing on my side of the boardwalk too. And go get another parasailing boat. All right. I think I know somebody selling one, too. Seriously, call us. 
I know a guy selling a parasail in a boat and the uh, the whole setup. A captain. All right, what else we got? Shout out to Matthew Simpson. Thanks for the four ninety nine. Matthew, it's being used. It's not private. So, when the Snowden thing happened, and I and a number of people started chiming up and being like, "Oh my gosh, look what the government's doing!" and they're spying on us. We are not spying on you. I'm, you know, the, if the CIA first of all cannot spy on an American. They have to have permission to touch anything American-related, like U.S. SIT-related. The FBI can. That's their purview, right? Like, they are responsible. If the FBI is watching you, you're probably doing something wrong. If you're doing something wrong and you're worried about your privacy, you should probably stop doing something wrong. Mm, <laughs> like, right. if you're selling <laughs> drugs and you're worried that your privacy is being invaded, you should probably stop selling drugs. Like, mm-hmm. you're doing something wrong. Um, yeah, so that's... And, and the CIA is not looking at you, I promise you, unless you are an undercover, like, Chinese intelligence officer. Nobody's looking at your stuff. Nobody's listening to your phone calls. I promise. Right. Well, w- wasn't his his overall reasoning for doing this was because of the so-called Patriot Act that was enacted after 9-11 was used, and it was actually proven that they were taking transcripts and actually recording and and actively listening into like millions of Americans' phone calls, whether they had any sort of uh, any sort of reason to do it or not. Right. So think about like the easiest way to gather data, right? So like you have you have a giant bowl of M&Ms here, right? And I need to get like the green M&M that's in the middle. Like that's the one I'm interested in, is that green right. M&M in the middle, right? I'm not going to like be able to dig through and find that little green M&M. The fastest way for me to do it is to scoop up your entire bowl of M&Ms and then sift it through a filter, a software program, right? Sift it through until my filter, my software program, pops up that green M&M that I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the most efficient way to do it, is to do giant grabs. I'm not really looking for the red M&M or the yellow M&M. I don't care about the brown M&M. Like, none of that really matters to me. Mm. I'm looking for this one thing, and the best way for me to get it is to just do a grab all and sift through it. Like, I'm not actually listening. Like, nobody's listening to all those conversations. Think about, like, millions of conversations there are not people out there just listening to conversations. That's not, you know, lit- like, like I said before, right? It's How does an it work? office they- with cubicles, <laughs> like, like office workers. Is it, you know? is it some sort of like AI that's basically like scanning all of these phone calls and text messages looking for keywords or what is it? So I, so I, I couldn't talk about it even if I knew about it. <laughs> but I will say that, you know, the analysis is done by analysts, human beings, right? Okay. 
So data data collection is done the way any company would do data collection, right? I mean, it's just a different a different style, but like Google collects your data, like Apple collects your data, tons of people collect your data. It's all done the same way, right? It's all pooling tons of data. In the end, it's a person, me or somebody else that's going through that individually, you know, eight and a half hours every weekday looking for connections, looking for information, you know, there's, there's not time, like we are very focused, right? Like we know who we want and we know how to get there. We are not just idly listening. You know, it's not like when you flip through YouTube and you're just idly watching people. It's not that. Like well, we have a job. Isn't it also true that we haven't caught any terrorists through the Patriot Act by by tapping people's phone calls? Hmm. I do not know the answer to that question. Okay. And and I will say that Aiden, maybe you could Google it. Maybe find some uh, fake article, <laughs> <laughs> some fake Russian article. Well, I will say that I'm not. I'm not a uh, uh, terrorists caught through the Patriot Act or tapping American phone calls, something like that. Yeah, and I will say that I'm not... I'm not saying that something shouldn't have been done about the Patriot Act, right? Mm -hmm. The Patriot Act was something that came out of Mm 9-11 for a specific purpose, and I think things like that oftentimes, right, because it was broad, so... Because it was broad and already in use, it's easier to just kind of keep it there. Yeah. So I'm not saying that shouldn't have been reviewed mm-hmm. because I think that, you know, a policy, particularly if a policy comes out of like a time of war, that needs to be reviewed, right? Like, is it still meeting the purpose? Can we narrow it, right? So that's why I say, you know, I support whistleblowing, right? I support reviewing things that are already in practice because you know maybe something that was okay the first three years after 9-11 you know isn't okay 10 years down the road maybe Mm -hmm. that's unnecessary maybe it's reaching too far maybe you do a review and you find out that it's not serving its purpose you're not actually catching terrorists right I mean the information even if it wasn't carrying you know, capturing terrorists probably was good for other t- forms of intelligence that nobody's talking about because mm. nobody cares. Um, doesn't have as much of a like impact when you talk about other forms of intelligence. Right. But yeah, I guess I mean the the hard part to to deal with is the fact that they use something like nine eleven and the the clever marketing of calling it the quote Patriot Act. Paid them their money back, right? And oh. then, once you would have paid them their money back, they would have been on dick. So now they're trying to give you five, six, seven, ten, fifteen. You know what I'm saying? Because their whole goal is to get you to start spending money. Right. That's their goal. They want you to spend their money because they make interest off it. They keep offering you shit and you not really spending or you spending it little. They know you got a bag. All right, give me a $100,000 credit card. Guess what I'm going to do every month on it? I'm going to go get gas. I'm going to get gas. I'm going to go get gas twice a week. 
and barely use that bitch. Like, I don't need that shit. Now they trying to hit me with the two, three hundred, four hundred, unlimited, right? Because they want you to spend the money. That's how they make money off you. But you know what you did? You showed them the nigger. You feel me? You got real niggerish. You got real niggerish, gang. You took the 1500 and you finessed. And guess what they did? They dipped you back down. Oh, What's your credit yeah, score? Tell them your credit score again. It's like a five song. Ooh, five boy. Song. They didn't only did they, not only did they dick you down, they they gave you a disease too. Yeah, they got down on me. I'm thinking, I'm, you know what I'm saying? I knew it was going to fuck me up in the long run, but you know what I'm saying? It ain't shit to be covered. Yeah. And they did it raw. They fucked you raw, mm-hmm. gang. Yeah, so I'm like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they don't roll back their cover because they're that's just a tricky situation for them. Um, but you'll see, I mean, there are enough people out there that even with cover rolled back, if you look on like LinkedIn, you know, there are certain signs, you know, people say, I worked for the USG, you know, like, What's um, the US, oh, the US government? You, yeah, the US government, you know, a very generalized, yeah thing on there so they probably have their cover their cover rolled back but um they're careful not to put details and we're only allowed to say so much anyways you know even with cover rolled back all your language has to be approved it's all Mm. very generalized nobody knows what you're talking about if you're trying to get a job so (laughs) you know how how specific is that when you're like officially leaving the CIA, like I'm curious talking to you and Andy, like how specific are they with what you are and aren't allowed to talk about? And how often do you, are you communicating with them? Like, cause he's, he mentioned that every time he mm-hmm. does something public, he has to like have yeah. correspondence or something. Right. So you're supposed to, um, it's so like anything written yeah. is supposed to go through a review board. Um, And then they look at all your language that relates to the agency. Um, I mean, like my resume, they picked over every single word and it came back with all kinds of marked out things and then replacements. Like it just has to be very general. You can't have any specifics. Um, The biggest concern is revealing like sources and methods. Um, So... We don't ever talk about, like, specific places we went to or um, talk about, like, specific methodologies that we use um, in, you know, specific tradecraft. Um, so, yeah, when when you're generally out and about talking, you just kind of try to stick to the rules because there's only so much review that they can do anyways. So you just try to police yourself. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're not divulging anything important, right? What do you think about Edward Snowden living in Russia and being protected mm-hmm. by Russia? Uh, Edward Snowden. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's obviously, they know he's ex-CIA, or was he NSA? He was NSA. He was an yeah. NSA contractor. Mm-hmm. I have very strong feelings about Snowden because, so... So I am a fan of whistleblowers, right? Like something, if something is like 
like the government can do wrong things. People in the government can, because right, the government is made up of people. So people can be corrupt. People can be shady. Mm -hmm. So of course it's possible Mm -hmm. that something that should not be happening is happening. Right. Like something that doesn't have enough oversight. Right. Like, so whistleblowers, great. Like, let's keep things in check. Mm-hmm. I do not see Snowden as a whistleblower. I, he, he, I had other names for him that I will not use. But you can <laughs> he, use them. I, he, he divulged, um, like class like classified information for for what I consider to be no good reason. If there was something going on that should not have been going on, there is number one a chain of command to follow to report it. You do not just release classified information to the world. And the fact that he went to like I think he ran to Cuba first and then to Russia, like our actual enemies, right? Like we're I think not, you went to Hong Kong. Or Hong, yeah. Chinese. Yeah. I mean, anyways, <laughs> like, so, right? So Hong Kong, Russia, not friends, right? So I feel very strongly that maybe he thought he was doing the right thing. My guess is he had a very good handler who convinced him because that's how it works, especially with those types of countries, right? He had a good handler who convinced him he was doing the right thing for his country. He was not doing the right thing for his country. And for me, I was really affected because that data that he, like that data and those programs that he released, like targeters use those. Like I, like, like I, anybody who thinks that their information is private. What do you mean targeters? So targeters use data, right? Like that's what I do. That's my job. Like or was. So targeters use all kinds of data. It's like being a private investigator like on crack. Like because you have access to tons more data um, just because of the government has access to data. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like how, like if a private investigator goes online and they can see your Facebook page and your Instagram and they can, there's certain things mm-hmm. that they can find out about you, right? Like imagine that like exponential, right? But that data comes from somewhere. So like, like Apple and Google will share it. Um, you know, I just... With the government. Right. With the government for a purpose, right? Like, without that, it is very difficult. Like, that information helps us find terrorists. That information helps us stop terrorist attacks. That information helps us find intelligence officers in our country and overseas who are trying to do our country harm, right? Like, that information is not telling me that you are cheating on your wife. Like, if you think that, like, I have huge issues with people and their and privacy <laughs> because, like, if you are if you are online, mm-hmm. anything digital, if you have a phone or you are online, there is no privacy for you. Right. I I hate to tell you, like, I don't care what agreement you sign or whatever. 
it exists. Somebody can hack it. Somebody's collecting it. Mm -hmm. It's being used, whether it's being used by the government to stop terrorists or to collect intelligence for our country, or whether it's being used by marketers to advertise to you. Of a man. And they done took that value away. Um, he got into it with Dr. Umar Johnson. Yeah, he a fraud too. That yeah, Dr. Umar Johnson. Yeah, man, y'all know he a fraud. Y'all kind of preach some of the same things though. Well, I ain't begging for money. See, I was there. Yeah, 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 yeah. We now I ain't saying a nigga don't say no real shit, but man, he done been caught with a stripper hoe. Oh, uh, he been begging for money about a school he ain't got built. Uh, yeah, man, he, he went off on a rampage one time. They thought the nigga was crazy, crazy. Uh, no, man, uh, I ain't done none of that, homie. Yeah, man, I ain't had a, I ain't flopped yet. Let me just say, yeah, I ain't, fly, I, ain't, I ain't flopped yet, man. Yeah, they got to at least let me flop for they, yeah, bash me, but yeah, I ain't flopped yet. But Kevin Samuel and Dr. Umar Johnson, homie, uh, Man, they playing on us with that shit, man. Neither one of these men <clears throat> Man, we man, we just watched white folks go to the US Capitol and storm the Capitol. We watched white, we watched fat white men climb walls. Oh, man, they kill people. Man, them people went up there and done something we ain't never saw ever before in our time of living. And these are the men that I work Do I think I'm smart? Define smart. Like, like the stri strategic thinker, just like just the, the, the smartest person in the room. No, for some I'm not reason, the I feel like I, I, I don't feel like I'm, um, I honestly don't feel like I'm that smart in terms of mm -hmm. like, um, in, I don't know, I don't, I can't say not intelligent, but there's some things that my mind just doesn't process. So right now, I still don't 100% understand how you monetize Twitter, even though you told me. And my mind's trying to follow it. And I'm like, yeah. all right, well, okay, you send people to the banner, but do they pay? And you systematize. That's why I feel like you just, you look, you see things in pictures. So well, in terms can of- Can you clearly define see things in pictures? All right, look, I know you're enjoying the episode, but I got to tell you, finally, you asked for it and we created a Patreon, okay? We created an inner circle. We have amazing stories amazing information, the how-tos from the episodes, the only thing we're missing is a community. So, it's about that time. We put together our Patreon, we put together a community because we have to have conversation around the information. So, even this podcast we're listening to right now, there needs to be conversation. I want to hear what you got. I want to hear what you got. Like, let's throw some stuff back and forth. And, because we're like-minded, we're all going in the same direction, when we connect connect in a community, we can connect on other stuff outside the community because we're building real relationships, okay? So, check out the Patreon. We got three tiers. I don't care what tier you join. Um, the support is um, the support is appreciated.
Okay, thank you so much. Now back to the episode. So for instance, um, I had a friend. Um, he was never afraid to talk to women. Uh, that was always my thing. I was just, I always take the friend. I just know what's <laughs> a situation. I'm going to take the friend. It's all good. But in his head, he knows how this thing's going to work out. Right. It's almost like a visionary. Visionary from walking up, what he's going to say, what she's going to say, how it's going to go, his rebuttal, where they're going to go later. But that's based on experience. That's all that is. You can predict the future where you know what you know. Mm. And that's what happened with your boy. He done been through it so many times, he can already predict the next move. The thing is, I think, so for instance, in these interviews, I never know how they're going to go. We've done hundreds, over hundreds of joints. Mm -hmm. And I don't, like, even like if if I'm building a business, it's always like a real organic thing. Like we didn't run no ads to the morning meetup. We have like hundreds and hundreds of people in it. But literally day to day, I'm just focusing on delivering today. And I'm 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 trying to get into it now. I look at the numbers and analytics stuff like that, but I just don't. I don't know if I put the whole play together in my head. I just keep walking. Like remember, I asked you. I, okay, I got this product and this product, and I don't know what to do. You are like, well, okay, structure it this way. Put it in the funnel. This you're gonna run traffic today, and like, and even after the call, I'm like, all right, I know what I'm gonna do. And then I hang up. I was like, hold on, what he said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at my notes like, uh, <laughs> that's why I'm saying like smart. But you told me something we was at a restaurant um, where you were like, yo, you don't even have to be smart. You mm-hmm. said something like that earlier mm-hmm. today. Explain that. Do you remember? Yeah. No, I feel like people focus on the wrong thing to be wealthy. And the reality is if you focus on certain key elements, key points, you can accomplish that. One is relationships. If you can master relationships, you'll get opportunities that the normal person would never get because they don't have the relationship. Mm. The second thing is making sure you have the drive to do it, being persistent and consistent. Those three, being consistent and persistent with the right networking skills to build relationships, the people skills, with those three is a combination for wealth. Dang, that's crazy. It's easy. And then by you knowing this information, just hit me. you can utilize it in a way where you have the ups on anybody you meet because, oh, that's trying to do the same thing you're trying to do because you understand that that's what you need. Because the information is going to come based on a relationship. If right now I wanted to start Let's say an e-com brand, and I knew nothing about e-commerce. 
I can call one of my relationships and now I know everything. Because he's just going to tell me. And then you'll consistently work at it and be persistent once things don't go well. You God, and it just hit me because the same example that I was using like with this podcast, I, those are the only three things I have. I'm consistently dropping every single week. I'm persistent. I'm, I'm going to get the interviews. And I'm, I'm just focused on good relationships. Done. Dang, that's genius. You are smart. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> seriously. So now if you think about it, like we built our relationship, right? You decided you have morning meetup. You want to create more products to add more value to your audience. What we did, we got on a call, gave you my time, and you, like, we mapped out something crucial. Mm-hmm. But you didn't know that before the call. Because your habits create your character, and your character determines your destiny. As we learned from our mutual mentor, you know what I'm saying? Like, success will take you there, but your character, your gifts and talents will take you there, but your character will keep you there. But it all starts right here inside the mind, so we got to have a strong belief system. Because I remember when we used to school, you would see the little posters that say, if you believe it, you can achieve it. Bro, that's facts. That was a bar. We thought it was corny. We thought it was cliche, but that's real. That's real. So when I began to believe I could do these type of numbers, when I began to believe I could travel the world, bro, my wife looking for homes down in South Africa. I was like, boo, come on, boo. She's like, oh, you don't believe? I was like, I have to check myself. Like, bro, don't be a hypocrite. Like, do you believe? People got to believe. Mm-hmm. And so to everybody that's watched us, everybody that's listening right now, like, I need to believe in that power, that purpose, that potential, that society. You God has an amazing plan for your life if you believe. What do I look like trying to, trying to determine where my life's going to go? I ain't that smart. I ain't that talented. People talk about a five to 10 year plan. That makes sense. And it sounds good. But for me, I'm not even smart enough to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. Right? That's why I wake up at 5 a.m. and I seek the face of God. Like, what you want me to do? What you think is the best play? And then I run that play. Like, that's how people can go to the next level. So it starts with the belief system. And then you got to put that work in every single day. Because my brother Brian, not here no more. And if he was here, he'd be putting that work in. So I felt what I look like feeling tired, what I look like feeling lazy, what I look like talking about what's not comfortable to me. Comfort don't pay bills. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we got to be willing to put that work in every single day. So let's go get in. Let's be great. Listen, can't close it on no better than that, yeah. man. Do me a favor. Make sure you follow Jeremy Anderson. Okay. Shoot him in Jason's friend. I'm, I'm Jay White's friend that, uh, that just drinks and smokes and hangs out. Talk to me. Yeah. Talk to me. Man, do today what others want to have what tomorrow others can't. You have to put in that work today, right, to have that delayed gratification. Now, I never understood that when people was talking to me about it in 2008. But I put in work 30, 60, 90 days, and I reaped the benefits later on. And now I am where I'm at today. So put the work in today, reap the benefits tomorrow. Can't close it out no better than that, man. <laughs> Do me a favor, man. Go get you some social proof. But I need you to follow my boy, my boy Jay White, all right? Um, and I need to see you in the community. But go get you some social proof. I need you to go build something. Put your time, energy, sweat, blood, tears into some. Build something, okay? Use your head. You can go do it. Build something. But then I need you to come back 
and teach your community how you did what you did, just like Jay White. All right, we are out of here. Peace. And they feel like they don't have time for that. So yeah. how did how did that happen? Well, she was always there. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing, right? Oh, so y'all been together yeah, for a minute. Yeah, 20 plus, we've been rocking. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she's always been there. Right. But you got to remember, too, I'm not physically going anywhere to do 